Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today we got a Q&A. But I do have a little announcement before we get into things. I have a special announcement, a very exciting one, um, something I'm pumped about. It's technically the first live event here at the HQ. I mean, we've done little meetings and gatherings, but we've never done a like an actual thing where you can buy tickets to an event. Mm. It's always been like, oh, you're my client. You can you're invited to this. There's no like. I don't know. You don't buy a ticket. Yeah. You're either my client, you're coming, or you're part of the team, and it's a team gathering. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm pretty excited about this because the first time we've ever actually been like, okay, here's tickets. You can buy it. Um, tickets are in the link of the description, but uh, I will fill you in on what it is about. It is with myself and my good friend, Brad Jensen, the sober bodybuilder, um, somebody who I have – this is going to be a really cool one for a few reasons. Number one, it's something that I'm passionate about. Uh and you'll know by the title what I'm talking about. It's called the Anti-Mastermind Mastermind. And the reason we called it that was because we were joking around um, after attending Masterminds together about how we should create an Anti-Mastermind Mastermind where we actually just give a ton of value and we don't upsell anybody on anything. And it's not like cheesy or anything. We're not trying to get you to come back, anything like that. And then we were kind of sitting there like, damn, that would actually be really fucking cool. So if you've ever been to a business or coaching mastermind, you know the feeling of getting to towards the end and, and they start closing the doors. And then all of a sudden, like the pitch is coming and you're mm-hmm. like in the room and it's like there's other people around and they're trying to sell you something. You don't want to be the one guy that says, eh, I don't want to sign up. And it's just awkward, yeah. right? And then nobody likes being sold super hard. It's just uncomfortable. So we're like, let's do something where we can just provide as much value as possible and not try to sell anything. But what we've noticed as well is that we've actually been able to speak on the same stage I want to say four times now at events um, for whatever reason. We end up speaking at the same place. That's how we became friends, obviously. Um, we attended some masterminds together. We got to know each other a little bit. We spoke at a couple events, and we were cool. And then we spoke in Arizona together, I think that was the beginning of this year, yep. January. And uh, we, we're, we really just didn't know a lot of people there, so it was just nice to be able to kick it. And we became super close friends. Then he came out and visited. Then we spoke spoke again in Austin together. Um, he'll be back out again in July and then we're doing this in September. So we've obviously become pretty good friends. We have a lot of commonalities and, uh, it's going to be fun to be able to put on an event together and have the same approach of just trying to drive as much value as possible. Because every time we do an event together, people come up to us afterwards and they say like, and this is not to toot our own horns, but they literally say that we're the their favorite talks now granted there's a whole bunch of people there the people that come up to us and say that obviously doesn't mean everybody in there thought that but yeah we have enough people that come up to us and they always tell me you and brad and they always tell brad you and cody so it wasn't just like you specifically spoke to me it's always you and brad really spoke to me you and brad's speech was like really powerful and so we noticed that and we're like man we should do something together because we have a very aligned message people obviously like what we're talking about um and i think we could help a lot of people. So the focus of it is primarily for coaches um, and people who are trying to either start or scale their business. We're going to be diving into a lot. So day one is is training, nutrition, and emotional intelligence. So I'm going to be covering training uh, your clients, but it's going to be not, I'm not going to dive into here's the best periodization scheme or how to use reps and reserve because I'm going to give you that shit on the podcast for free all the yeah. time. But I'm going to talk more specifically of like, how to optimize clients' results through an online 
coaching platform, how to systemize it, how to structure it for them to get the best results possible quickly so that they notice the results they're getting, but also how to be efficient. So you are saving time so you can work with more people, help more people, and obviously scale your business. And then Brad's going to be doing the exact same thing with nutrition. And then we're both going to combine for emotional intelligence, which is like, how do we actually connect? Mm. How do we build relationships with our clients? How do we communicate? How do we connect with them on a deeper level? Because that's the shit that really matters and transforms lives. Um, and then we're going to have a lot of open time for Q and a, because one thing that we notice with all masterminds is usually there's such a big room. You don't get to like sit there and ask the speaker questions about your business and your situation. Yeah. That's the most valuable part. So like realistically, I would rather do that for two days straight than even have a presentation. You know what I mean? It's because that's individual help. Like more, that's way more applicable applicable for yeah 100 percent um and then you get to obviously hang with us one-on-one um and we only have 20 spots so there's it's gonna be a very small and intimate setting um and then day two is going to be more business stuff so brad's gonna be covering social media um uh, obviously scaling and growing your social media presence and gathering leads from that uh, i'm going to be talking about seo so how to do the same thing but not on social media, which a lot of people don't know how to do and is really beneficial for long-term growth. And then also like long-term business planning and strategy. And then again, open hours for Q&A, connecting, hanging out. Um, it's going to be at my facility. So we'll have the gym here. We're going to be able to do lunch. There is a VIP dinner. There's only five spots available for that. Um, and as we're recording this, it just went live on my newsletter and on his podcast. And this is, we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, you guys are listening to this at the earliest on Friday. And just so you know, four spots are already gone. Six. What? I'm looking at it right now. What? Six out. Six spots gone. Oh, well, since I've been out of my office, six spots are gone. Dope. Um, <laughs> which means there's 14 left. Some of which, uh, I know at least one is going to the VIP, so maybe more than that. But point being is, you guys, this is going to fill up quick, which is not surprising. There's, there's only 20 spots. And uh, obviously, we have, between the two of us, I mean, you got to think about it, tens of thousands of people on Instagram he has a, a large podcast as well. So tens of thousands of people listen to the podcast, tens of thousands of people on the email list. Um, so we're not expecting this to, to, you know, stay open for long. Yeah. So jump on it. If you're a coach, if you want to learn more about training, nutrition, business, or you want to connect with other like-minded individuals, you want to connect with Brad and myself and build a relationship with us. This is the type of thing to go to. Um, and we're doing it as non-mastermindy as we can. That's why it's all value. There's no upsell. There's only 20 spots. We are not live streaming this. So a lot of times when you pay thousands and thousands of dollars to be a part of a mastermind and then last minute they go, we're, la we're live streaming it so you can just join the Facebook group for 20 bucks and get access to it. And you're kind of like, damn, I paid $2,000 to be here and they're just going to live stream it. We're not doing that. Yep. You know, If you attend, you can get the recording, but we're not, we're not going to do that shit because that would drive me crazy. And we want to provide as much value as possible. So um, we feel like it's a very reasonable price. I'm very, very excited. The dates are for September 16th and 17th. He, so we got plenty of time, but the tickets will sell very quick. There's only 20 spots, um, again, at the Tailored Coaching Headquarters. This is the first ever um, live event that we've sold here. So I'm very excited about it. Um, I already had somebody ask me because they can't attend that day. They're like, are you doing this again? And I said, no idea no plans of it right now. We're like, we should do this. And we just planned one. So we have no intentions of doing another. Can't say that we won't, but as of now, this yeah. is it. So jump on it guys. Links in the description. Um, yeah. Yeah. Link is in the description or it's anti mastermind dot secure checkout and checkout is chkout.com just in case, but it will be in the description. Yep. So, uh, jump on that guys. Very excited. And, uh, yeah, let's get in the Q and A. Let's do it. All right, guys, we have our first question coming from Hillary Nussbaum. It says, I am eight weeks away 
from competing in my second bikini competition. My first was last year. My weight has been incre- incredibly stubborn during this prep and even with even with cutting macros and with a big increase in cardio. My weight is barely budging. I am 10 pounds down fr- but probably have 8 to 10 pounds more to go. Do I need to be in a bigger deficit or is my body telling me that I need to get out of a, de- a deficit and just postpone my show and do one at a later date? I am training 6 days a week and doing 85 minutes of cardio 6 days a week as well. Whoa. That's a lot of cardio. 85 minutes. Is it 85 minutes 6 days a week or 85 minutes uh, cumulative of 6 days a week? Which wouldn't be that much if it was that. That would be like 15 minutes a day. An hour and 15. Oh, well, yeah. So it's probably it's 85 minutes a day. So she's probably got two, uh, what would that be, 40 minute? 85 is a random number. You got a 40-minute session and a 45-minute session every day? Six days a week? No, hour and 15 minutes, 85 minutes. Six minutes in an hour. Yeah, so 85 minutes, hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, but I'm just saying like 85 minutes... 40 and 45 minutes if you're doing two separate sessions. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because I, I can't imagine. Most of the time, if you're prescribing cardio for over an hour, usually in prep, they're not going to give you an hour and 15 minutes okay. straight just gotcha. because it's like maintaining muscle tissue and the fatigue. It's like, let's break these up. You have like a nap in between or whatever. Um, did you say how long her prep has been so far? Uh, I am 10 my weight. Okay. She just said how uh, eight weeks away. Eight weeks away from a show, and she's lost how much? Uh, ten pounds. Ten pounds has ten more to go. Okay, and she's okay. So first and foremost, if you are eight weeks away and you're already doing that much cardio, whoa. Um, not to like, I always <laughs> this is like the the nice guy in me. I feel bad because if they have a coach and I'm like. I would never do that shit. Yeah. But, I mean, at the day, like, this is for me to be real. And, like, I would never do that shit. Like, it's just, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so, if you have eight weeks left, and I don't know how long you've been at this, um, that's the other thing, too, is, like, if you've been at this for 16 weeks, yeah, I would 100% not suggest doing it. But at the same time, so, like, it's very hard for me to answer this question because if I don't know how long you've been dieting thus far, it's very hard for me to say. If you've dropped 10 pounds in three weeks... I would be like, no, keep going. That's yeah. only a 13-week diet. And yeah, I probably wouldn't have loaded that much cardio out the gate, but you're already here, so keep pushing. Um, you know, and then there's the other side of me too, is like you are going to step on stage. Like that is an extreme goal. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's like if somebody's going to do an Ironman and they start getting like blisters and calluses on their feet and they're like, oh, am I doing something wrong? I'd be like, Probably not. You're doing a fucking Iron Man. Like, yeah. that shit is just brutal. Like, yeah. what do you expect? Um, David Goggins ran with, like, uh, pneumonia and, like, his... Dude, there's this picture of his feet after he finished a race. It's wow. like an ultra marathon, which yeah. is, like, on another level. But his feet were just, like, his toenails were falling off. Like, dude, it was so gross. And he had pneumonia. Jeez, dude, it was so... <laughs> that guy is gnarly. But point being is, like, you have an extreme goal. You have to ex- expect extreme, extreme measures. Um, so I can't tell you specifically if you should back out or not. If you were not stepping on stage and I was giving advice, I probably would say you should back off because you're plateaued or I would say, Hey, take a diet break. Um, but the fact that you have a designated timeline that is pretty serious, it's hard for me to say, Hey, just take a break for a little while because then we don't know if you'll be ready. Yep. Um, so it's really hard for me to answer this question. The things I will say are simple. Like number one, I would rarely recommend doing that much cardio ever at any time, no matter what. 
even in the situation of bikini prep, I think that you should be close enough to your stage lean physique or have enough time to where you do not need to do more than six days a week of 45 minutes of cardio. Six days a week of 45 minutes cardio, even like seven days a week of 45 minutes cardio because it's very low intensity. It could be just walking for 45 minutes straight, technically. Even that, that's a, that's a lot of cardio, but that is acceptable in the world of getting on stage. Like I think a lot of people don't realize that there's like this, because there's a lot of people that talk about, um, I was talking about this on the coaches workshop that I did on Sunday at the team. Um, you don't need cardio. You can just follow your diet and just track macros. And that's hundred percent true. But the reality is if you want to get very lean or you want to step on stage, you're most likely going to need to add cardio because your calories are going to, your calorie deficit is going to have to be big enough to get to that point to where you will not adhere to it. If you only create that large calorie deficit through food, right? Yeah. You're going to have to add cardio. It's just part of prepping. When I did my show, way back, I, I was doing six days a week of 45 minutes incline walking. Like that was what I ended up at. Like it was just part of it. Um, the hard part is the reverse because when I finished, I was just like, all right, I'm done. See you later, coach. I'm going on a cruise. Stopped cardio, stopped, just started eating normal food, gaining much weight. But when you're burning that many calories from doing six days a week, 45 minutes cardio, and then you go to doing no cardio because you yeah. hate cardio. Yeah. Not thinking because yeah. I was 20 years old. Um, gain a lot of weight. But um, point being, that's not too crazy. But 85 minutes, that's quite a bit. It's two cardio sessions on top of strength training um, and dieting. And you still have eight weeks left. That's that's quite a bit. That's tough. Yeah. I would say like most of the time in my experience, like the, the heavy cardio is coming in the last like four, six max weeks. Um, and it also depends on the person. Like if the person would rather drop or add cardio instead of drop calories, we can do more. But um, but honestly, there's a lot of people now who would rather take 16 to 24 weeks to prep and they reverse diet in the show because then you fill out. So like, for example, um, I'll show you afterwards. I'm going to post about it at some point. Like I have, uh, it'll be four weeks this week for like a four weeks of reversing yep. after my shoot. Yep. And uh, I have this weekend's uh, progress picture, but I'll probably take them again just for the sake of the picture comparison. But I look probably a little bit leaner in the picture and uh, my weight's up like five pounds, but my body fat percentage probably dropped a little bit, but not because I lost body fat, but more so because if you fill up muscle glycogen, you have more muscle on your body than technically the percentage of your body that's fat is lower, right? But the whole point of it is, is like, if I would have known my body would have responded that way, I probably would have pushed my shoot out or started earlier and then stopped the cut three to four weeks before the shoot and reverse dieted into the shoot, right? And so really good prep coaches um, and athletes, you know, and this is why usually on your second or third show, you you can nail it because the coach gets used to working with you and how your body responds. You can plan it that way to where you increase calories going into the show. You fill up so you look denser, harder, yeah. leaner on stage. Um, so I, the reason I'm painting that picture too is because I don't want to say that's too long of a prep because sometimes you can do a really long prep, but intentionally increase calories going into the show. Um, sometimes you do a really long prep and you have breaks, which is probably what I would have recommended in this situation is like have a, a longer prep. Maybe it is 16 to 24 weeks, but you go like 12 weeks of prepping, take a four to six week break, 12 more weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Or you have 24 weeks straight, but every four weeks you take a week diet break, you know, like you can implement things like that to try to preserve muscle. It's like the psychological side of dieting, so on and so forth. Um, and those are the things you probably should have done. I probably would say you probably, I don't want to say you don't have enough time because you don't know what you can accomplish in eight weeks, eight, eight weeks, or she said 10 weeks, 10 more pounds, eight weeks left. Correct. Um, you could lose 10 pounds, in eight weeks for sure. And even if your weight loss is stalled, like a calorie deficit is going to work no matter what. It's just like, damn, how, 
It's going to be tough to create a calorie deficit at this point. Yeah. You're going to, I mean, it's going to be hard to adhere for eight more weeks. The, the thing I fear for people like this, and this is the last thing I'll say, um, and I know I'm just giving random rants because I don't have context to give answers, but if somebody does what it takes to do that, it's, it's very difficult, but there are people who can dig and create that self-discipline to do it because they have a show. They're like, I'm stepping on stage basically half fucking naked. Like I got the motivation and I, I will muster up the willpower and the discipline to make this happen. And it's very, uh, commendable, respectable. The problem is, is that you, your, your fuel tank for willpower and discipline is, is limited. You know, it's finite. So by the time you get to stage and you tap that tank out, you get off stage and you're like, fuck this. And you gain the weight back very easily. So like the harder you dig, the harder it is to sustain. That's the only problem. And I think that the, the really grind, the grind of it should be limited to a certain amount of time. Like I will definitely say that I felt like shit the last few weeks and I was grinding, but it was three weeks. Yeah. Like the rest of the diet was not that crazy. Like I was fine. Uh, I was in deficit and there was times where I was tired. The last three weeks were, were pretty rough, but if I would have done that three week grind nine. for eight weeks, like she is eight to nine weeks, <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to reverse so successfully like I am right now. Yeah. You know, and then you gain weight and then it's like, what did I do all this for? Yep. So Yeah. No real answer. Sorry about that. But I think I can hopefully give you some insight to make you kind of do your own thinking. Totally. All right, cool. We will move on to the next one. It is from Anonymous. It says, I have a client that doesn't like to eat vegetables with all of their meals. Occasionally, they will fit them in, but each meal is only protein and carbs. What would you tell them or any advice that you would give to me to relay? Number one, I don't think, I think vegetables are overhyped which is a very odd thing as for a nutritionist to say. Like, <laughs> uh, don't buy all the hype of vegetables. Um, granted, like, you, look, you need vegetables. Like, I think things like the carnivore diet are just absolutely idiotic. Like, what kind of diet tells you don't eat any vegetables or fruit? Like, well, that's this, just... This says protein and carbs. I know, but they're missing vegetables. Oh, yeah. Right? That's what she said. They're not getting enough vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. So... Way back, like so the, here here's like from my experience like um, back before I got really into the science and evidence behind training and nutrition and all that kind of stuff I the more simplified nutrition is just handful of protein handful of veggies like produce stuff like that um, they limit fruit because of uh, of sugar they limit starches and try to focus on vegetables the problem is is like if we really look at what we're getting out of vegetables fiber micronutrients we're also getting that in fruit in starchy carbs, if we're choosing whole grain oats, whole grain bread, sweet potatoes, things like that, right? If we look at the the vegetables and the fruit as a way for um, satiety, like we're also getting that from carbs and fruits. If we look at the fact that if calories are equated, we're not going to store extra fat, it, it shows us that the sugar from fruit isn't bad or it's going to cause more fat accumulation. So um, I say all this because I don't think, I think people over glamorize vegetables and they tell people like you got to get a handful of vegetables in every single meal i know a lot of clients that i tell to stop eating so much vegetables because it's literally creating so much bloat gas and digestive issues that the thing that they think is healthier for their gut is actually causing more issues with their gut and i say hey like you're 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 literally causing more stress in your gut because you're eating more vegetables so if you think about like i can get a sweet potato that has a ton of magnesium potassium calcium fiber all these things and let's say 50 grams of carbs is like just like a normal sweet potato 
50 grams of carbs from broccoli is like a, a salad bowl, yeah. right? So that's the appealing thing about it is like, man, I can increase my volume. So I'm going to have half this sweet potato and I'll have like three cups of broccoli with it. And if you do that every meal, that's a lot more food. You feel fuller. The problem is, is that's also literally three times as much work on your gut every single meal. So now I like to tell people, hey, what is the quota that we need to hit? Typically, the quota we need to hit is going to be two to three servings of vegetables per day. I like to choose ones that are easily digestible with your system. So, for example, I do really like broccoli. I like roasted broccoli. I usually have that for dinner. I have one cup of that. With breakfast, my vegetable source is usually like mushrooms and spinach. Extremely easy to digest. Not super voluminous. Doesn't fill me up a ton. But I'm getting my vitamins, minerals, fiber, the things I need from it. And I'm going to use the rest of my carbs for strawberries because strawberries are also very filling. But micronutrient dense, and then something like oats or whole grain toast. Oats or whole grain toast is glucose that's going to be started as glycogen in my muscle tissue, and it's going to allow me to change my physique the way I want it to through my training. Broccoli is not going to store as muscle glycogen and fuel my training. It's just not. So this is where we kind of have to go like, yes, vegetables are healthy, but more is not always better. Like hit your quota and then be done. Two to three servings of vegetables per day, one to two servings of fruit. You can go one to three servings of fruit per day. You get that, you get everything you need. And and I and I always say vitamin C just because that's what comes to mind. But like if you hit your quota for vitamin C, getting more vitamin C doesn't make you more healthy or more immune prone. Like there's actually even research on like emergency and all those things. Like they really don't do shit to protect your I mean, like get the amount of vitamins you need in order to not get sick because your immune system's strong and then do things non-nutrition related that are going to strengthen your immune system like manage stress, get sleep, and train hard. Those things strengthen your immune system. You, you taking four extra emergency orange juice things like isn't going to fuel your immune system more. In fact, if you get over that quota of vitamin C, like most vitamins, you're just going to shit your pants and you'll just shit out all the vitamin C. Literally, you get too much magnesium, same thing. You get too much zinc, same thing. Too much anything. Too much B vitamin, you get all tingly and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Your body's going to take what it needs and then it's going to get rid of the rest. So there's not like this like a never-ending pool of micronutrients that you can just fill up from vegetables. Um, your gut's just going to be a mess from yeah. it. So um, I've had a lot of clients that have like had legit issues with their gut that I'm like, hey, let's let's go like low FODMAP. Let's eat things like um, nutrient-dense fruit and starches. So let's choose starches that do have a lot of vitamins and minerals in it. Um, sweet potato, whole grain, oats, things like that. White rice for just easy start for training. And then let's go with like easy to digest fruit, bell peppers, spinach, things that we're still going to get the quota of micronutrients we need, but it's not things like Brussels, broccoli, green beans, things that are very thick, very filling and can taste good, but also can wreak havoc on your digestion. Limit those, get the things you need out of other foods. You're going to be fine. Totally. So, and obviously this person doesn't like it, so don't force it down their throat, yeah. you know? Um, and then last but not least, this is an easy plug for one of our sponsors, First Form. Um, get the greens drinks. I mean, it's, it's a really, really easy way to make sure you're getting everything. So, like, the greens and reds is a great example because the reds is going to have all the fruits you need. It's also going to have some vegetables. So like, I believe there's uh, some nutrients from, like, tomatoes and stuff, but, like, beets, beetroot, that's, like, one of the things that I really recommend the reds for because um, for its oxidative benefits, especially with training that's going to be super helpful for getting a pump, better blood flow, better recovery, oxygen, all that kind of stuff when you're doing aerobic and or strength training. Um, and I don't know that many people that eat beets on a regular basis. I don't. They're kind of gross. Yeah. I and mean, I think beetroot juice is kind of gross too. I've never had it, but. It's not good. Um, sounds, they, sounds very tart. Yeah. Well, and they have ones, you know, where you can buy them in a bottle and there's like tons of sugar and shit in it. So it does taste good because it tastes like juice. Yeah. But it's beetroot. Um, 
and I've had one, there was one restaurant I went to in San Diego in uh, the gas is it gas lamp or gas gas light, light? one of the two you yeah. know what I'm talking about right yeah. district or whatever. Yep, yep. And it was on the corner. It was like a big hotel, and they had the restaurant on the corner. We're sitting outside. I got a salad, and it was like a. It was like a. I don't know what they did. Roasted them or pickled them or whatever. But they had beets on the salad with like pears and pecan wow. stuff and goat cheese. And at first, I was like, "Oh shit!" I know there was beets on it because they look gross, dude. It was so good, unbelievable. I tried to make it at home for me and Shannon. So gross. <laughs> I like bought pickled beets, and dude, it was so nasty. Um, fuck date night up, uh, but. The, uh, but the point is, is like you can get that in the red drink, right? And then the green drink obviously has everything under the sun that's green. So uh, for clients who struggle with getting greens in, or if you're like me and you're like, I want to make sure I'm getting plenty of, of micronutrients from my, my fruits and vegetables, but I also don't want to be bloated all the time by eating a ton of fruits and vegetables. And I want to train really hard. So I want to save some carbs for starches. The greens and reds comes in super handy. Totally. So I don't have to worry about it so much. Um, so you can head to firstform.com slash tailored coaching method and get those amongst all the other things. They have the tons of different supplements. But that would be my two recommendations. Don't force it down the throat. Just kind of teach them what I just taught you and then add the greens and reds in and you're golden. Love it. All right, cool. We will go on to the next question. It's from Kayleen T. It says, I have a client that began eight months ago with me. Her doctor prescribed 800 calorie diet. Whoa. That's all caps she put. <laughs> so our goal was to bring her back to an optimized state and at a steady pace. She is now at 1,700 calories because it took a while to get her hormones back into a good place and biofeedback where she didn't feel overly full. Recent blood work was also good. My question is, how do you proceed with a deficit on someone who basically got her metabolism so downregulated that at that 800-calorie deficit? She also has fatty liver disease and needs to lose about 20 more pounds. I'm a little bit nervous on what is best for her. So did she say how long ago she was on the 800 calorie diet? Uh, I don't know. Okay. She said she's been with Kayleen for eight months. Okay. So I would assume she's been off this 800 calorie diet for eight months. Yes. And she said she's at 1700 now? Yes. Okay. Um, that's kind of like the military diet. Do you ever remember seeing that? Nope. So... I don't even think it's actually, I want to ask somebody who's been in the military. I don't think it was like, I mean, it, it technically was. So like, I think it was based on the fact that um, way back in the day, they would have like, you know, those packs, what are they? Yeah. It, like they had those kind of things, you know, and yep. they were like 500 calories yep. and you have this pack. And for the military guys that were out about, it's like, okay, we're finally stationed and safe. Eat a pack. Yep. Is it going to be four hours till the next time? Or is it going to be 14? They don't fucking know. So I think they made this diet off of like 400, but it was 500 calories, but it was literally like, it was like three slices of white bread, um, a can of tuna and like an apple a day. That's it. Like it was just something so ridiculous. And it's, it's so funny. Cause you see that it was in a magazine when I first saw it, like way back. And you think about it, you're like, do people really think there's something special about three slices of wonder bread and apple and a can of tuna? Or is it just the fact that you're not eating at all? <laughs> like I could think of way more satiating foods to eat 500 calories with that would help that. Um, but hey, I remember doing the HCG diet and I yeah. put those little drops under my tongue. Yep. I gained that way back. But like I remember doing that when I was 18 is that years placebo? old. No, I mean it worked. Yeah. I, I dropped like 30 pounds, bro. But I gained a bunch back. But you think about it, like I thought there was something special about these drops. But if you look at the diet, like so you, what you do is you take the drops – three, four times a day. And then you had these like bars that they sold you. Yeah. And the bars were literally just rice cakes. 
with like some stevia on top. So it was like just a rectangle shaped rice cake. So it was extremely low calorie. I was just eating carbs out of a rice cake basically three times a day. And then dinner was one chicken breast with a cup of brown rice. That's all you had every day. So if you think about it, like, okay, I'm 18 years so what old. What the drops do? Who fucking knows? That's, That's what, what I'm saying. saying. Was that placebo? No, the, I was in a calorie deficit. That's why I lost weight. I'm saying the drops had got to be like just telling you. Um, it's literally just a scam. Oh, yeah. For my, I mean, but I don't know. I think there actually is something in there that's supposed to be doing something. I don't think it does anything. I think I was literally just in a calorie deficit. Yeah. So I know what you're saying by is it placebo? Yes, but it's not placebo simply because I actually was in a calorie deficit. Okay. If I wasn't in a deficit and it worked, then it would be placebo technically. Yeah. Like if I was putting drops in and I thought there was something going on and, and I didn't change my diet and I lost weight. Hundred percent. That would have yeah. been placebo, but they had me eating bird food, so I was literally just <laughs> and especially at eighteen, I'm drinking Mountain Dew and eating Fruit Loops every day. Like, yeah. and then I'm like, I'm gonna go on a diet. Yeah. This looks good. Yeah. Lost ton of weight. Um, I, I remember going to Sun Valley with Thomas snowboarding, and Mike took us to an Italian restaurant, and I was on that diet. And I remember being like, kind of stressed out because I was like. I have to eat chicken and rice, you know? Like, what am I going to do? And I just remember getting there and seeing what was there. I was like, all right, fuck this diet. <laughs> I ate like Alfredo. I was like, this is so good. And that was the day I stopped the diet, yeah. getting the way back. But um, anyway, so it's hard to say for sure because, number one, we can't say for sure that her, like, her metabolisms don't get damaged. So, like, what would I do? Well, I would, I would put her in a calorie deficit and hope that it would work. I don't think that this means that now going forward her calorie deficit is going to have to be at 800. I don't, it doesn't work like that. And I don't think, you know, it would ultimately depend on how long she followed that diet, so on and so forth. But if somebody has 20 pounds to lose, their maintenance caloric intake is going to be more than 800 calories, even if they're not strength training a single day. So what I would do depends on what you already did during the eight months. But typically what I would have done is reversed her like you did. And I would have implemented a lot of things that naturally increase her total daily energy expenditure, better sleep, more neat, uh, better training, better stress management, higher thermic effective food diet. So high protein, high fiber, higher carb through like complex carbs with, um, very low processed. I mean, I would do all the things I could to make her burn more calories on a daily basis without trying to eat less, so to speak. That way, when I put her in a deficit, she's in a really optimal place to lose weight. But we know that metabolic damage isn't a thing. It's just not real. It's metabolic adaptation for a reason. If you've spent eight months reverse dieting and getting her up to 1,700 calories and staying there, um, and is that enough calories? I don't know. Did she even say how much she weighs? Uh, or just that she has 20 pounds to lose? Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I can't tell you that, you know, 1,700 calories doesn't sound like many calories, but this is where, like, everybody is different, right? Like... Me and Hallie have had conversations about this because Hallie's like five foot. She's going to butcher. She's going to kill me for saying this. I was going <laughs> to say five foot tall, maybe five two. I don't know. She's short, right? Yeah. Um, so she was doing a cut and she was in the like closer to like 110 pounds, you know, 115 pounds. Like that's a small individual. So for me to say like 1,700 calories is super low, she'd be like, fuck you. That's a good amount of calories. Yeah. So I, I can't say that. Um, so assuming that 1,700 calories is enough to where she should be, then the metabolism would have healed itself over time because it adapts in a positive manner just like it adapts in a negative manner. Um, and if she's not seeing any negative biofeedback symptoms, I don't see why she would have any issue going into a diet at this point. Um, some people would argue that eight months isn't enough, but I can't argue that unless I know how long she followed 800 calorie deficit. If she actually followed 800 calorie deficit for a year, two years, and I'd say, yeah, it's probably not long enough, but I doubt she did. Nobody can sustain that, yeah. you know, and most of the time there are doctors who do that shit and, uh, they do it. F 
this is where it's hard because there's some doctors that are smart enough to know that there's not going to be this metabolic damage and they'll be fine and it will repair, but they're, they're not smart enough from a coaching perspective because they don't actually coach anybody to know that they won't adhere to that. It's going to psychologically fuck them up more than anything else. And now anytime this person returns into a diet, it's going to be very hard for them to adhere to that diet because they hear the word diet and they freak out. Yep. Right. So that's where uh, I sometimes I have a bone to pick with um, doctors, but I also don't see anything wrong with aggressive diets. 800 calories is too aggressive in my opinion, but um, 800 calories a day. Yeah. I think that's too aggressive. Um, I also know that like doctors will say 800 calories to a, a everyday person. That person will only eat 800 calories. That's mainly fat and carbs yeah. because they don't tell them about macros. They don't tell them to eat more protein and lift weights. So if we consider what an 800 calorie deficit does for somebody who's not lifting weights or eating protein, it's equivalent of somebody eating a 14 to 1500 calorie diet with enough protein and strength training. You know what I mean? So that aggressive diet in a different context is way more calories and doesn't seem so crazy because I've had people that they... Uh, they come on board and they're eating quote unquote 1200 calories and they can't lose weight. And I look at their diet and I'm like, okay, we're going to increase you to 1800. But while I do that, I actually drop their fat a little bit, keep their carbs the same, but they were eating just basically no protein. And so when I quadruple their protein intake and add all those calories via protein, and that increases their calories by <coughs> and just drops their fat just a little bit, they actually end up losing a lot of totally. fat because it's a totally different breakdown of calories. So, um, I mean, there's so many ways that you could go with this, but I think ultimately you just got to test it out. If she's ready to diet and she's like mentally there, like I need, like mentally and emotionally, she's telling you I'm ready. Like you got to, you got to test it out. Yeah. And the only way you're going to know is to test it out. I probably would preemptively like plan diet breaks in there just to avoid her being in a deficit for a long period of time straight day after day after day. Um, these are typically the type of clients I do think physiologically and psychologically benefit more from a diet break than the average person. Um, but ultimately you got to put her in deficit and just test it out. And it's just, and I always say this too, with reverse dieting, if you want to test out the waters for reverse dieting with a client or, you know, or you are the client and you don't know if you should go fast or slow. I mean, first of all, watch the video we did. We did just put out a video on YouTube, um, on whether you should recovery diet or reverse diet. And the title is how fast should you reverse diet? Um, and I talk about this, but you can literally just test it out by taking a diet break and see what your body does. Take an aggressive diet break. Does, do you gain weight? Do you feel way better? Do you still feel like shit? Like those will tell you a lot of things. If you still feel like shit, you got to be more aggressive. And you got to stay up there. If you feel amazing after that first few days, then you know, you don't have to go fast. You can go slow because it's just calories that are causing the negative biofeedback symptoms. Um, and if you don't gain any weight, then you know that you weren't even touching your true maintenance in that tire break test. If you do gain weight, maybe you overshot it. So, um, sometimes coaches just need to test things out, you know, and I, I do that in, in many different ways. I, I do that as a way when people are reverse dieting and I don't think they're ready, but I know that if I don't show them they're not ready, they won't have the buy-in. And my fear is that they'll quit because they're like, I'm tired of reversing. I want to diet. I'm going to hire somebody that will let me lose weight. And I'm like, there's some scumbag out there that will take your money. I won't. Like, I know that you need to stay at maintenance right now. And so what I'll do is I'll put them in a deficit just to show them like, hey, okay, we'll go into deficit. And then it'll be tough. They won't like it. They won't adhere to it. And they won't lose any weight because their body's not ready to lose weight. And then it shows them. They're like, fuck, okay, you're right. I'm like, yep, I know. Let's go back to maintenance. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you got to test the waters. Totally. But I love it. All right, cool. We will move on to the next question is from Leanna. Says I'm set to finish my cert four for PT in October. I'm nervous to start at a coach. 
Probably as, as a coach. He yeah. says at, but as a coach. It's truly my passion, what I want for my life. What would what would your advice be for new coaches, especially because I'm young, I'm 19 years old, ensuring we are doing the best we can with limited experience? Good situation. That is a good situation. Uh, respect to you for starting young, first and foremost. Um, I did too, and I think that's what ultimately helped me the most. Um, find a mentor. Um, and that doesn't mean go pay somebody thousands of dollars per month. That's going to quote unquote, teach you business coaching. Um, find somebody that will take you under their wing, work for somebody, work for free for somebody, like go intern at a strength facility, like do something that is, you know, it's hard to intern. And this is why I think in-person training is so important. It's very hard to intern, um, online, online unless you are literally, it's just part of like the prerequisite to work. But like our interns have a lot of experience, you know what I mean? So it's not a good example because I've been asked like, can I intern with you? I'm brand new. And I'm like, well, you can't because there's not much you can do. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to like screen share my screen all day? Yeah. You know, it's just, but at a gym, you can follow them around. You can pick their brand. You can ask questions. You can train with them. It's a little bit different. Um, that always helps read as much as you can get your hands on. Um, books are, are going to be your best resource. Um, there's very limited certifications that I think are, worthwhile nowadays to be honest with you um so if you don't go the college degree route which even that is like it's great but a lot of times too it's not applicable to coaching it gives you the science and then you got to figure out how to work with people um so books are the number one thing there's better certs coming out like mnu is amazing um renaissance periodization is, is coming out with something uh now too they just announced it today from what i saw um nick shaw mentioned it to me after our podcast he hit me up and said that um, which was, a, I mean, I said it was like over a year ago when we oh, did yeah. that. And he was like, yeah, we're going to do something. And I was actually messaging him today about st- stuff with the cert and everything. But like, I don't I haven't even seen it yet, but I could probably suggest that theirs would be good, you know, because they're very evidence-driven, evidence-based. Um, so doing the right certs, don't waste your money on stupid certs, but get some because you have to have something legally. Read a ton of books. Try to find somebody that can mentor you. Um, if you can't find a mentor because, you, you know, it's very, it's actually rare. Like I had to move, I mean, not very far, but like 30, 40 minutes North. Like I live with my dad. I drove sometimes an hour depending on traffic to get to Vigor until I was able to get a spot and rent in, um, and live closer to the gym. But that's what I had to do in order to f- be in a strength facility and actually intern with somebody that was legit, you know, cause there's just not that many places. So you may not be fortunate enough to have somewhere within an hour that you could do that at. And if you don't, I think that your best bet is to hire somebody to coach you. Like I, that's what I did is like, I did that and I just always had coaches. So I had, um, I hired people at the gym before, uh, the, co- the, the owner ran me through programming. Then I started hiring online coaches. Um, I mean, I worked with so many different people, some of which now are like influence, like Jeff Nippard was like, before he was like a YouTuber, I hired him as a coach. Um, I, I worked with John Russin. I worked with uh, Christian Thibodeau on like a more like I bought his programs and picked his brain and shit. Cause I knew, cause I had a connection to him. Um, but I've hired so many people over the years to do my nutrition training that I could just learn from, you know, and I think that's a really powerful tool because you can pick their brain. And it's why like a big, most of my roster now is advanced individuals and coaches um, because that's what they, they want me to help them transform their physique, but they also want to learn yeah. along the way. And I love that. Like, um, yeah, go to events when you can. Um, obviously ones like the one we're putting on are great. It's also, 
it depends on where your knowledge is at, right? If you already have a really good baseline of program design and fitness stuff, then I think it would be a great event for you. Um, if you're like, I know nothing, then obviously it's probably a little bit over your head. But going to events, period, just to meet people is huge. I yeah. used to travel to a seminar every month, out of state usually too, because I was like, I need to make sure that people know who the fuck I am in this industry. And I want to meet other people who are doing things so I can learn from them, see how they're doing things. So network like crazy, join Facebook groups, try to internet a gym, hire a coach for yourself, an online coach, read a ton of books, do those certs that are actually worthwhile and just be patient and yeah. just keep doing it over and over and over again. It's not, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah, networking. I think that's a good one. Yeah. All right. So, so and, and I'm going to throw this out because, you know, again, a little quick shameless plug. This is a good resource. So, like, you're doing something really well by listening to this podcast, consuming free content. I didn't even mention content, but you obviously books are important. But go consume as much fucking content as you can. Instagram, blogs, podcasts, all that stuff. We obviously have a ton on our website, um, taylorcoachmethod.com slash guide slash blog slash video slash podcast, all that shit. Um, so, go check out all those because they're all free. Um, and if this podcast is helping you, you and everybody else listening to this, please do us a huge favor. Go leave us a five-star rating and review. That's all we ask in return for hours and hours and hours we spend on free content for you. On Spotify, dude, I, I tested this out because I, I left somebody. Somebody did this on their podcast. So I was like, I'm going to leave them a review. It literally takes you five seconds. You can literally, at the, you don't even have to submit it or anything. Spotify made it way easier than iTunes. Wow. You click review, five stars, done. Like, that's it. You can't even leave a comment, I don't think. Wow. It's literally just... How many stars are you giving them? Yeah. You know, so leave us a five-star rating review on Spotify, please. Uh, iTunes as well. We would appreciate it. Totally. We got one more question today, guys. It comes from Christina Vineyard. She said, my son is 21 and he is extremely skinny. What can we, what can he do to put on weight? I'm trying to get him to lift. He's about 5'8", 120 pounds. Any suggestions on gaining? He's extremely skinny. Yeah. Damn. Um. I mean, it's really honestly not that hard. Eat more lift weights. That's at that, it. At that stage. I mean, that's it. Like, he, the the reason your son's not gaining weight is because he's probably, like, we did a video on this too, the metabolic phenotypes. He's probably a spendthrift metabolism type uh, phenotype. And that means when you give him more food, he moves more. So, like, he needs to chill the fuck out and stop fidgeting. <laughs> like, <laughs> he probably is a very active kid, I'm sure. Um, he probably walks a lot. He probably fidgets a lot. He probably does a lot. And he's also probably going through, wait, how old is he? Uh, 21. Okay, so he's probably not in his growth spurt anymore. He's yeah. probably done with that. Maybe. Um, but like most of the time, that's the case. I've had clients that literally I will increase their intake and then I see their step count go up 2,000 steps. And I'm like, dude, you have a limit. Do not go over this amount of step count. So like if you really want to get nitty gritty with it, give him a step counter, monitor that. And watch, you will increase his intake and you will see his step count go up and then tell him, hey, you just hit 13, like stay at 10,000. Like sit down a little bit. Like they just have a ramped up metabolism, you know? And especially if, if it is somebody who's playing sports and all that stuff, they don't need to, like most of the time, don't walk so much would be a bad piece of advice for health. But if they're playing sports and they're active and they're not overweight, they're already healthy. Yeah. You don't got to worry about that. Um, just so eat. just eat, you know? And so for people like that, like, if you really, really need to gain weight, you can add more fats in the diet because they're super calorically dense. Um, fats aren't going to do much in terms of muscle growth and stuff, but when you need calories, you just fucking need calories. So eating, you know, like I would, when somebody goes into a super big surplus, I always recommend a little bit above body weight in protein. Um, probably want to get his body weight in fat, to be honest with you, which is I rarely recommend that much fat, but at least half his body weight, but upwards of his full body weight in fats. And then just as many carbs he can eat. Like... I don't think like 
young individuals like that too, I don't think necessarily need to track macros, to be honest with you. I think if you just planned out like, all right, you're eating five meals a day, every single meal has to have a handful of protein, two handfuls of carbs, and some kind of fat source. So now he goes in his days like, all right, I'm gonna have like a cup of egg whites with two whole eggs and cooked in oil, right? That's a good amount of fat right there. Then I'm gonna have a full bowl of oatmeal with fruit and peanut butter in it, right? And then I'm gonna put some like veggies or something in in the eggs. Like that's a that's a 700 plus calorie meal right there. For sure. Then you can make a super shake for lunch and you put Greek yogurt, almond milk, whey protein, peanut butter again, because that's super hard, nut butter of any choice, frozen bananas, maybe even throw some oats in there to get some starch. Like that's a thousand calories right there. You know, dinner, stop eating chicken, eat a damn steak, get some fucking calories in there, have a big potato with it with some butter on there, have a little bit of veggies, just get your greens. Boom. That's another meal. Dinner. Go Greek yogurt. Don't go casein protein or whatever because you want to get extra calories in there. Go Greek yogurt. Throw some fruit. Throw some granola in there. Throw some chocolate in there. Fuck, give him a Snickers bar at night if he wants it. Like, you just got to get calories, yeah. you know? And I don't think it's as hard as people think. They're just like, this. the process usually goes like this. Steven, you need to eat more food. Okay. I feel like I'm eating as much as I can. It's like, no, you're not. You, where's your plan? Show me your goddamn plan, you know? There's no plan. I had no plan at 21, though. Neither did I. Yeah. At all. I mean, actually, I'm lying. I yeah. definitely did. I was prepping for a bodybuilding show. <laughs> so I'm lying. I'm thinking of when I'm like 17, 18, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, but that's, and that's a good point because if I wasn't overweight at 18, I wouldn't have had a plan either. But I was overweight and I was like, okay, I'm trying. Nothing's fucking yeah. happening. I'm like, okay, let me get a plan. And I chose a bunch of fad plans, unfortunately, gained the way back until I figured it out. Like, okay, calories are a thing, obviously, because I keep doing these diets and they work, but I don't know why they work. They work because I'm not eating as much. So how do I make this better. Totally. For me, that was choosing lower calorie options for the same foods. So I went from fruit loops with whole milk to special case cereal with 1% milk. Yeah. I lost weight, you know, so it's, it's a math equation. So, totally. um, keep it simple. Don't overwhelm. There's no reason for it. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it guys. So, uh, as always, uh, make sure you go over to taylorcoachingmethod.com slash online dash coaching. If you want our help directly and you can talk with myself or one of the coaches before doing so or committing, we are here to help you. Um, we appreciate you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time.